Welcome to Two Open Doors, the podcast that explores our power to open or close the doors of relationship with the important people in our lives. We hope you'll learn from and share your wisdom with our community. Thanks for joining us. I recently came across a book that I found to be full of thought-provoking observations, All About Love, by the feminist and cultural critic Bell Hooks. That work deals with what is perhaps the central orienting theme in intimate relationships, which is our desire for love, and how that desire plays out in our lives. In this episode, we'll explore some of Bell's often pointed views on what love is, how we acquire our understanding of love, and how we try to bring it into our daily life. Hopefully, that understanding will help us in our ability to create and sustain truly loving relationships. One of the things I most admire about Bell's book is the candor and courage with which she shares her personal childhood and adult experiences in the realm of loving relationships. From her description, hers was not the easiest of childhoods. She experienced her share of discounting and lack of unconditional love from her parents, despite which she was able to maintain her lifelong focus on the central importance of love. One of Bell's central beliefs is that love is a personal orientation that must be put into practice rather than just being an abstraction or a set of feelings. That echoes my own core belief that love is a verb. It is conveyed through how we treat those we love. Love requires that we commit ourselves to actions that promote the betterment of those we love. That's much more difficult than simply saying, I love you. In his well-known book, The Road Less Traveled, M. Scott Peck defines love as the will to extend oneself for the purposes of nurturing one's own or another's spiritual growth. That definition may be difficult for many of us to assimilate and digest, especially since it refers to spiritual growth. To help clarify that, Peck further defines spiritual as holistic unification of mind, body, and spirit. He clarifies that this definition does not refer to religion, but rather to a life force that enables us to connect with others and with the world at large. In previous episodes, I too have referred to spirituality in essentially the same way that Peck defines it. Objectively, we live in a culture in which love seems to have little place. As individuals, we're fed the virtues of taking care of number one, that is, ourselves, based on the expectation that no one else is likely to take an interest in helping us. That sort of social programming is a breeding ground for narcissism, self-interest, and a bloated sense of personal importance. The climate that I've just described is well aligned with, and probably largely a result of, capitalism's promise that life meaning can be found primarily through acquisition, personal independence, and the enjoyment of a materialistic and hedonistic life. Communitarianism and the pursuit of a spiritual life have little place in such a society, and may even be seen by some as threats to the prevailing social order. Both material well-being and a vigorous spiritual or internal life are, of course, important to human thriving. Those can be seen as the two ends of a spectrum of human activities, ranging from the physical and concrete to the internal and intangible. It's only when one of those receives much more emphasis than the other that it becomes difficult for people to lead well-balanced lives. It seems clear to me that our secular society is strongly slanted toward physical well-being at the expense of a vibrant internal life. Another social factor that Bell Hooks sees as contributing to lovelessness in our society is the pervasiveness of patriarchy in our society. 
In a patriarchy, men hold a disproportionate amount of power, often to the disadvantage of women. There are many implications of such an arrangement. Men are forced to conform to a social ideal of wielding strength to achieve their goals, dominating others in any way that's necessary in pursuit of those goals. Men are expected to be stoic, not expressing their emotions, which are taken as a sign of potentially exploitable weakness. In counterpoint, women are positioned as the primary providers of services and nurturing to the men and to family. Their social opportunities are constrained so as to fill that societal service role. Gender strongly biases and differentiates how males and females can participate in society. Many of the differences that are popularly perceived between men and women are created by socialization rather than by fundamental sex-linked physical differences in inherent capabilities. There are, of course, a few statistically valid differences, such as an average physical size and strength. Loving someone implies that the beloved should have full freedom to explore and develop their full capabilities, and to pursue whatever brings them pleasure and satisfaction. Thus, anything that restricts personal possibilities, such as the gender-based sexist limitations that are imposed by patriarchy, works in opposition to love. Those who profess to value love should focus on supporting all personal growth opportunities that don't run counter to the basic needs of society. Loving someone is a decision that comes from our free will. Falling in love doesn't rob us of our ability to make choices. We are not captives of our biology or of irrational and uncontrollable feelings. The fact that love entails decision doesn't rob it of its passion. If anything, knowing that someone actively chooses us as their partner can be intensely erotic. In his book, Love and Awakening, the psychotherapist John Wellwood notes that there are two distinct levels of loving. A heart connection, which entails attraction, mutual caring, and the positive mutual feelings, and a soul connection, which he defines as a resonance between two people who respond to the essential beauty of each other's individual natures hidden behind their facades and who connect on a deeper level. Open-hearted and generous people may have many heart connections in their lives. However, soul connections are much more rare and precious. The partners in a soul connection see one another's true selves, their core identity, and they are moved to help each other become their fullest selves. Such a connection can do for its participants what sunshine does for a growing flower. Being in a soul connection with someone can be a heady and intensely satisfying experience. However, such a connection can also be demanding. Growth requires confronting one's current boundaries and barriers, and investing sometimes painful effort in broadening or removing those. It's very difficult to do that hard work by oneself. Having a loving partner to help us makes the task easier and more joyful. In a soul connection, the loving partners do that for each other, promoting mutual growth. Love is a potent force for transformation. For that reason, it can induce fear in us. It takes great courage and determination to venture into the unknown, not knowing what we might become or what lies ahead. Like a seed that must die in order to be transformed into a beautiful tree, love invites us to become willing to die to our current selves in order to grow into our potential greater selves. In The Road Less Traveled, M. Scott Peck notes that anyone who is truly concerned for the spiritual growth of another knows, consciously or instinctively, that he or she can significantly foster that growth only through a relationship of constancy. Commitment in a relationship is what actualizes felt love. Devotion to a partner reflects respect and caring for that partner. 
Such devotion is manifested through loving acts such as attentive listening, consistent availability, and support for the beloved's thriving. Those who truly love show a willingness to tolerate physical or emotional pain, discomfort or inconvenience in the course of supporting the needs of their beloved. Those who truly love are called on to be tenacious in the face of the inevitable challenges that occur in the course of a committed relationship. Such people don't just walk away when the going gets tough. Of course, there are limits to how much tolerance and accommodation are appropriate in given circumstances. Even deep commitment to a partner shouldn't displace personal integrity and fair consideration for both partners. In contrast with selfishness, loving people are willing and even happy to make sacrifices for the benefit of their beloved. True lovers are also generous toward their beloved, fairly balancing the needs and desires of both partners in the relationship. It has rightly been noted that selfishness is a major contributor to the failure of many relationships. Those who are unable or unwilling to properly prioritize their partner's desires are likely to be unable to show love to that partner in ways that are tangible and meaningful to them. When a partner's needs are met, when they truly feel that they are seen and valued, they are unlikely to become clinging or inappropriately attached. The resulting secure and relaxed tone of such a relationship can bring great meaning and pleasure to both partners. To learn more about Two Open Doors and to engage with our community, I'd like to invite you to visit the Two Open Doors private Facebook group for posts and discussion and the Two Open Doors meetup group for events. I also invite you to contact me directly by writing to me at claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, at twoopendoors.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I'll use your inputs to guide my work on future blog posts and podcast episodes. Thanks for visiting Two Open Doors.